found this this golden oldie but goodie in the in the cabinet this morning this is of course stitch from Disney's um, uh, very nice uh, Lilo and Stitch film released some 15 years ago anyway I haven't really drunk from this mug much before if all if at all and I'm finding it pretty an outstanding mug so there is that all right Revelation 14 I'm actually going to verses 6 through the end of the chapter I'm actually going to read this and as I read it you're you're probably going to hear illusions or, or imagery or pictures uh, that you may have heard from other other contexts but never knew where they came from so I'm thinking now of John Steinbeck's book Grapes of Wrath or the very famous militant hymn the battle hymn of the Republic my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord he's trampling on the vintage where the great where the grapes of wrath are stored all of that finds its imagery in Revelation 14 and this is giving us a picture of God's final judgment at the end of the age so let me read it and then we'll pray and we'll dive in look at we'll start in verse 6 of chapter 14 then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth to every nation and tribe and language and people and he said with a loud voice fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth the sea and the springs of water another angel a second one followed saying fallen fallen is Babylon the great she who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality and another angel a third followed them saying with a loud voice if anyone worships the beast in its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand he also will drink the wine of God's wrath poured full strength into the cup of his anger and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever and they have no rest day or night these worshipers of the beast in its image and whoever receives the mark of its name here is a call for the endurance of the saints those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus and I heard a voice from heaven saying write this blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on blessed indeed says the Spirit that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them then I looked and behold a white cloud and seated on the cloud one like a son of man with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand and another angel came out of the temple calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud put in your sickle and reap for the hour to reap has come for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe so he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth and the earth was reaped then another angel came out of the temple in heaven and he too had a sharp sickle and another angel came out from the altar the angel who had authority over the fire and he called with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle put in your sickle and gather the clusters for the from the vine of the earth for its grapes are ripe so the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it into the great wine press of the wrath of God and the wine press was trodden outside the city and a blood flowed from the wine press as high as a horse's bridle for 1600 stadia let's pray Lord what we get here is just a um, 
a very vivid, dark, but real picture of what life and eternity look like apart from you. And Lord, we want to heed the words of the scripture writers when they remind us to flee from the wrath that is to come. But thank you, Lord, that we have a place to flee to, and that is the Lamb. That is Jesus who took the wrath, your wrath, Father, upon him so that it did not have to fall upon us. And so, Father, we ask now that you would bring this text alive to us in a very real way. In your name we pray. Amen. So in verse 6, it tells us that there is a gospel, the good news, that is going over to all the earth and being declared to every um, person, every tongue, tribe, and nation. And we obviously um, liken the gospel to good news, which of course it is. It's the greatest news that it remedies the most fundamental primary problem we all have, which is estrangement from God, alienation from him because of our sin. And this gospel is good news. Well, for those who accept it. But for those who don't accept it, for those who um, turn aside the offer of the gospel for um, because either they believe they don't need it or that um, they think this idea of wrath is passe or um, they don't believe in a literal hell, they don't believe they need a savior like Jesus, the good news becomes the worst sort of condemnation um, for that person. And this, this chapter is full of imagery which talks about that reality of an eternal life state apart from the gospel and the grace of God. And it can sort of take us back, right? It can sort of take, a, take the wind out of our, our lungs a little bit because the picture is so stark. Now, one of the things that it says here is that um, the wrath of God, look in verse 9, is being poured out on everyone who has the mark of the beast on his forehead. And I remember, um, you know, there being a time when, when I would read um, books about what this meant, that I had this terrified image of, okay, I'm a Christian, but somebody's going to come and make me take the mark of the beast. And when they do, my soul is going to be forever damned. And of course, that's not what this is talking about at all. That, that would totally negate the gospel, right? Remember, there's the mark of the lamb and the mark of the beast. The mark of the, and these are metaphorical marks, not literal. They are with the believer. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are marked off. We belong to him. And the beast, in the same way, everyone who does not have the seal of the Spirit has the seal of the beast. And so he's just giving us a picture of an idea that these are people, because they've rejected the gospel, because they have not seen their need for Christ, um, they um, are, are, are firmly in the camp of the evil one of Satan. And the future for them is just is is so stark and it should take us back a little bit he talks about the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever and he's poured the full strength of the wrath of god and his anger out upon them and fire and sulfur in the presence and and so i mean clearly this is giving us a picture of an eternal conscious punishment okay a torment for all of those who have not receive the good news of the lamb and you know we're we're certainly in a in a season of 
of church life or theology, at least in the West, where this idea of the wrath of God is mocked even by professing Christians. You know, it's it, we are told that this is just an ancient primitive notion of of, of pagan religion of offering up sacrifices to a de to deities to appease their anger and when we when we lose that idea of the wrath of god then of course we're going to lose things like eternal punishment of course in he heaven and hell of course we're going to lose things like substitutionary atonement uh, of course we're, all of this sort of falls into a line like a great row of dominoes and i think that when we do that we are doing a dishonor to god okay we are sort of creating a god um who comports to who we think god ought to be and because we're not comfortable with this idea of wrath, and certainly we can't worship a God who would be. But when we, when we take wrath out of the equation, I, I want to say that we, that we take out of the equation um, really the heart of the gospel and really the heart of the good news. Okay, So when you think about wrath, think about it this way. Wrath is God's settled opposition to sin. Okay, It is his displeasure at 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 sin that has risen up in humanity in rebellion against him. I mean, remember, this sin is the, the root of all injustice. It's the root of all racism. It's the root of all taking of life. Um, and, and it is right and good that God would be displeased with this, that he would have a settled opposition to this. And this passage is just giving us that vivid reminder. And I think another reason why we ought we, we we have to fight okay to maintain this idea of the of the wrath of god is that it really is at the heart of the gospel and i think this is maybe the hardest thing for people to understand that that jesus's death was not merely an example it wasn't merely a statement against the opposition of the age it wasn't merely an an, an unjust piece of suffering that to give us an example of god's victory over sin Jesus was an actual sacrifice. He was the lamb, okay? He was the Old Testament sacrificial lamb that was offered up in appeasement for the wrath of God. God's wrath has to go somewhere, has to be settled on something. And the idea of Jesus being the lamb of God is that God's wrath fell upon him rather than us. We see this all over the Bible, okay? We obviously see it in the Old Testament sacrificial system, but we see it over and over in the New Testament, do we not? Where Paul talks about how Jesus is a propitiation for our sins. In other words, a, an appeasement, a satisfaction uh, offered up to God. We see it, Paul says again in Galatians 3, where Jesus was cursed for us, that, that God's, not his benediction, but his malediction, his 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 curse fell upon his son who was hung upon a tree. This is what I think when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so when we lose the wrath of God, okay, we lose so much. We, we first of all lose the idea that our sin is a personal uh, affront to God. We, we, we lose the, the heart of the sacrificial nature of the gospel, right? Um, this idea we see over and over in the book of Revelation that Jesus is a lamb looking as if it had been slain. We're never ever in heaven going to move past the worship 
of the lamb that was slain. We were always going to be reminded that the, the, the lamb, Jesus, took on the settled opposition and wrath of God on our behalf. And so, as, as D.A. Carson says in his lectures on Revelation, ultimately, at the end of the day, every one of us will have to contend with wrath, right? Either we will follow the Lord and incur the wrath of the beast, of Satan, of the evil one, which can take all sorts of forms, persecution in this life, might even cost us our physical life, opposition to the gospel, suffering. All of these things are part of part of part of that dynamic where as we see in revelation the church over and over again is receives persecution from satan um, on behalf of the gospel yes under god's sovereign care and permission but nonetheless it, this opposition is real so we're either going to experience that wrath or we're going to experience the wrath of the lamb and that's what this text in revelation 14 gives us in great um, pictures of, of vivid imagery and again think about how how real this comes alive when you read it it's like you're you're looking at a painting you're viewing a movie you're seeing these metaphors of this great sickle and the grapes of wrath and and it's meant to, to stir us it's meant to remind us it's meant to take to to catch us up short because it's, it's sometimes communicating this way is more powerful than just saying, well, I believe in a literal heaven and a literal hell where people who don't know God will spend eternity. Well, this gives us the vivid picture of that. It's, it's, it's meant to be sobering. It's meant to propel us forward in mission and evangelism and witness. And it's meant for all of us today to fly to Christ, to find refuge in him and realize this wrath that he is talking about here this was rightly my wrath, okay? But because of his grace and his mercy and substitutionary death, now that wrath has been settled on Jesus who paid that penalty once and for all. And so I just want to really exhort us not to lose this. This is at the heart of the gospel. And be thankful today that if you're in Christ, God's wrath is not settled upon you. It's settled, it was settled upon his son Jesus and who died for our sins but rose from the grave it is now with the father making intercession for us okay on our behalf with the spirit okay that is it for the weekend we'll be back here monday morning in revelation 15. let me pray for us and we'll go about our day lord um, this is a heavy text and we don't want to take it lightly we don't want to make your wrath just a, a debate argumentation point we really want to see that our hope is built upon the idea that you have a settled opposition to sin and that you're going to make all things right. But Lord, that settled opposition to sin includes our sin. And someone has to pay that penalty. Someone has to stand in our place. Thanks be to God, Lord Jesus, that it was you, the lamb who was slain. We run to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hope you guys have a great weekend.